heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. This is Healing the Whole Person on WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. Hello. Welcome to this episode of WSFI 88.5 FM Healing the Whole Person. I'm Letty Medina from St. Gilbert Church, and I'll be your host today. And I have the great honor of inviting uh, a dear friend of mine, Deacon Tom Beagle, um, into the uh, studio with me today. He's a dear friend and brother in Christ, and I've had the uh, blessing of working with him over the past eight years. And he has an amazing story um, to share with the listeners about how God brought healing into his life as a young man. So welcome, Deacon Tom. Thank you, Letty. I just really am just grateful for the opportunity just to be here today um, and to share my story on the radio. Thanks. So how did you um, kind of tell a little bit about your background, like your basic Catholic upbringing and kind of a bit about your first real face-to-face or, you know, meaningful, deeper experience of God? Sure, absolutely. So um, uh, my background was really quite simple and very traditional in many regards. I was raised in a very loving, supportive family. Um, My father was very old-school Catholic, and uh, his main rule in our household was that you showed up on Sunday. You had to have your butt in the pew, so to speak, and um, that was really important. So from that, I really learned that that God certainly played a role in my life, that it was important, that he had some type of significance, but really outside of Sundays, really didn't have an understanding of of how he fit into the overall picture. Gotcha. And um, so would you say that with that kind of upbringing you had a personal relationship with him or not so much no i i truly believe that he existed yeah i going to mass i certainly believed in the true presence of the eucharist and i think that was pretty unique Mm -hmm. certainly given my age Uh, but those were really the only two things that i really understood i really never um, devoted myself to catholic teaching i wasn't raised in that type of environment so uh, for the most of my youth I was really kind of ignorant of what the Catholic Church taught or any, really anything that it was all about. Okay. So what, what changed all that? Well, my own life changed um, in a very difficult and personal moment uh, in high school. So that particular day uh, is one that's continuously etched in my head and in my mind. And uh, I remember coming home. I was probably 14, 15 years old, and I opened up the back door of our house and I walked inside and there was just there was an eerie calm and I you can't really explain it in words but I just knew that there was something off there was something different in in stepping through that door and when I did um, I saw my family there and they were in tears and upset about something of which I really didn't quite understand and um, and it was that moment that some very difficult family news was surfaced. And um, in that moment, I was, I was distraught. I really didn't know what to do. Um, my family was there huddled together and we were crying with one another. And I just, I knew that I needed just to step away from that moment and go up to my room and pray. Ironically, obviously, that's exactly what our Lord teaches us in scripture, but that, that I needed just that private moment. And when I did that, I shut the door and I shattered into a thousand pieces. 
I remember just lying on the floor of my bedroom and just my whole inner self just broke. And I just ached and I grieved and I just cried out to God in that moment. And the most amazingly powerful experience I've ever had in my life of God happened. And I could feel the presence of God stronger than anything I had ever experienced in my entire life. And the only way that I could ever explain it in words was I felt this rain shower of love. I felt that I was so shattered and so broken that God was tenderly allowing this warm rain. And as each drop literally hit my body, that I could feel that love just kind of penetrating my soul and restoring me to life again. And it was as if Jesus was holding me. He was kind of cradling me in his arms. And in that moment, I actually heard him speak. Um, I heard our Lord speak to me, and he gave me three unique messages personally for my own life. And I also received a vision at the time. And so two of those things I'd like to share with you. One is God told me that I wouldn't die until I was 30 years of age. Very unusual message. Beyond but nonetheless, 30. Beyond yeah, 30. absolutely. And so, but I knew that somehow that was true. Yep. And this, the vision that I received was me actually dressed in a green garb and actually raising the chalice before the altar. Here I am, 14, 15 years old, and I'm receiving you know, this message and this, this unbelievable, extraordinary experience. And eventually it faded. I don't know exactly how long it lasted. It seemed like a long time, but I'm sure it probably wasn't. Um, and then as everything subsided, I just, I didn't know what to think of it. I, I had no idea, what do I do from here? I had this extraordinary moment of God. How am I supposed to live my life? I knew that God was more real than anything I'd ever experienced in my life. And it, so it transformed me in that moment, but yet my life wasn't any different in terms of who I was as a person about who I wanted to live, but I knew it started something within me that allowed me to start searching. Yeah, That searching a, process was really what started in that moment. Yeah, that's a very beautiful, powerful, life-changing experience of God's love that you just described for the listeners. And I've certainly heard other people share uh, other profound experiences of God. And I just want to, you know, kind of say, you know, to anyone who's listening that, you know, if you haven't had a profound experience like that, doesn't mean God doesn't love you as much as he loves Deacon Tom. <laughs> it just means that, that that isn't what you needed. He needed that in that moment. And he knew that, right? So um, he reveals his love in so many different ways, right? Absolutely. And, and that was a, a moment that he gave to you for a special reason. For sure. And I, to this day, I don't necessarily why. Right. Right? Yeah. It was just, it was a pure gift. Yeah. It wasn't something that I asked for. It wasn't something that I clearly didn't expect. But nonetheless, it really brought me to a, a place where I could move forward and, and, and to try to continue that healing process. Yeah. And so the, one of the unique things, though, is that after knowing that God was truly real, that there was no way that I could deny the fact that God actually existed, that searching process helped me to, to move forward in my faith and to try to figure out, well, what is, what is God all about? And ironically, throughout the course of my high school years, just as he had spoke to me in that one moment, 
he continued to slowly speak to me over time. And at first, some of the messages and things that I received made no sense whatsoever. So I remember the very first time after that particular moment, I was standing there in high school and I was opening up my bucks to grab stuff out of my locker. And all of a sudden I heard this ironic message of this girl's name and I knew that she was gonna walk around the corner. Three, two, one, all of a sudden, this girl out of probably a thousand plus kids walked around the corner and I freaked out, <laughs> absolutely panicked. I ran off to class. I had no idea what to think about the moment. I don't think I knew what class I was in at the time, right? And I probably didn't study anything during, during that hour. But what I found was that he continued to speak to me. The second time that that happened, um, I was in study hall and I looked out across the way and I saw this girl and she was one of the most popular girls in our entire school. She was you know, the, the A-class cheerleader and I was nothing of the sort, okay? I was the wallflower of my entire class. And I look and I see her and she's just reading a book, but I knew that she had a really, really difficult fight with her father. And as I sat there at the table, God continued just to prompt me to try to encourage me to move over and just to talk to her about it. And I refused and I fought with him and eventually I gave up. And so I walked across the room and I sat down there at the table, not knowing exactly what to say, but I just turned to her and I said, look, whatever happened between you and your father, I just wanna let you know that it's okay. And she looked at me and just tears just started flooding down her face. Mm -hmm. And she knew that there was no possible way that I could have possibly known anything that happened in that morning. And she knew it was a moment from God. She knew that somehow I had been directed in that conversation to share that message and that news with her. And I think it brought her a tremendous amount of peace. It made me feel incredibly awkward. <laughs> and so what did I do in my awkwardness? I stood back up, I walked back across the room, <laughs> I sat down at my table and I hid myself in my books. And for anybody who knows Deacon Tom, you can just imagine how funny that was. <laughs> Absolutely, no question about it. Um, uh, so, so beautiful. Yeah, and so I, I was still searching, really. I, I, didn't, I didn't know what to think about all these things, but I knew they were being directed by God. There's no question in all the messages that I was receiving or all the things that God was trying to really explain that he was building trust. Yeah. He was building that relationship. He was speaking to me in a way that I could understand and he could talk to me in such a way that he could really try to help me to understand how he wanted to live my life. How beautiful. And, you know, again, I know that many of the listeners are probably thinking, well, why doesn't he do that for me? <laughs> because, you know, he, he doesn't do that as the norm. But what I have learned in my spiritual journey is that he does reveal himself in many, many beautiful ways. And we have to listen and we have to s slow down and we have to be present to him to be able to recognize when he is speaking to us um, through other people through, um, you know, a reading at mass, uh, a variety of ways, right? Without question. Yeah. And that's the more common way he communicates. But, um, but he's just, again, it's, it's, it's his gift of love that he wants to pour down onto all of his children. And, but we do have to kind of slow down and, and, and be open to it. So why don't we um, get to the part of the story about, okay, you get through high school and your awkwardness, <laughs> and then you think you know where you want to go to college, and that kind of gets 
changed. Yeah, without question. I was on a traditional track. I had applied to Indiana University. I was all excited. I had my dorm room picked out. I knew where I was, was going to go and what I was going to study, and I had it all mapped out. And ironically, my dad, the old school Catholic, comes home one night and he says, you know, I think we should just check out Franciscan University. <laughs> and, and I looked at him stunned because that is totally not my dad. And he went to Ohio State University. He was all about the Big Ten. So I was going to university. I thought, you know what? I have got the golden pass. He's going to be all proud of me. And he comes home with this news, and I just was flabbergasted. <laughs> and so eventually I came to the understanding he was not going to let this go. And, and praise God that he didn't because we ended up taking this road trip. I went out to Franciscan. It's, they've done a lot of work over the years, but when I got there, it really wasn't much to look at. And I stood there amidst all these awkward buildings and different things, and I'm thinking, man, why? Why am I here? <laughs> and so then my dad says, well, you know what? The thing to do, I hear, is to go to Mass on Saturday night. I'm thinking, really? Who goes to Mass on Saturday night? You know, college town? Like, that's just ridiculous, but okay. So we ended up going to Mass on Saturday night, and I walk in, and it, the room is filled. And I'm thinking to myself, well, this is this is a little odd. And But believe it or not, we go through this extraordinarily beautiful Mass. But the most amazing moment came at the very end when Mass concluded, and the priest before walking out stood there and asked everybody to hold hands and they dimmed the lights and we prayed the Our Father together and it was just this overwhelming sense of fellowship and peace and I walked out of those doors and I turned to my dad and I said dad this is where I need to be and of course he looked at me as I go now wait a second come on now this, are you are you sure and i said absolutely dad dad this is where i need to be and so i applied i went there and it really was it was an extraordinary opportunity and it was really god's grace there's no question it wasn't me who made that decision it was him helping me to, to arrive at that decision and it really was it was an extraordinary start of an extraordinary four years um, and it was at, at really at Franciscan where I started to really start to understand my faith. And when I got there, I knew nothing. I, I knew the Mass and, and maybe even a fraction of really what the Mass was all about. Um, and one of my favorite stories is that I got there and there was a group of guys and they said, you know what, we're, we're going to go pray the rosary. And I looked at them and I'm like, what's, what's the rosary? I had no idea. I'd never even seen one in my lifetime. And they looked at me being at Franciscan University and they're like, oh man, <laughs> where do you like, come where, where, from? <laughs> how did you get here? And you know, I laughed, but I was open, right? I was open. I was willing to take that leap of faith and to start to learn what I had never learned yeah. in my entire lifetime. Yeah. And, and so I, I started learning and learning and asking questions and God blessed two seminarians. So they were pre-seminarians that were studying for the priesthood. And somehow I got linked in, in, into a relationship with them. And just about once a week, I would go up and I would sit in the room for about an hour and a half and I would hammer them with, <laughs> with theology questions because I didn't know, but yeah. I wanted to know and I wanted to understand. And I would ask them this question and that question, what does this mean? And, and, and when this happens, what's the significance? And I, because n nobody had ever taken the time right. to explain it. And so I was hungry. I was thirsting. I was... I was searching for the God that I, I knew I had already fallen in love with. Yeah. 
And um, share with the listeners um, the fact that you were not yet confirmed. Yeah. So, I mean, that was that was presented to me in eighth grade. We had switched parishes in my eighth grade year, and my parents turned to me and they said, "You know, Tom, do you really want to go through another year and get confirmed? And the choice is yours." Well, naturally, I said, "No, I don't. <laughs> I don't want to do that. I don't want to. I don't want to spend eighth another year. Boys. No way." <laughs> And so I, I didn't make that choice. Yeah. And so eventually, through the, my understanding and, and my knowledge and appreciation, my love of the church that grew over the course of my freshman year, I made that choice and the decision for myself to get confirmed. So as a college, freshman in college, I got confirmed in Easter. How and beautiful. it was such an extraordinary, beautiful experience for me because I stood there as a man. Yeah. I stood there in full conscious decision, accepting the church in its fullness. How beautiful. And did you get confirmed at Franciscan or back at home? No, at Franciscan. At Franciscan. How powerful. Yeah. Wow. It was, it was, uh, it, it was a, a beautiful experience to be able to have my parents and my family surrounding me um, and to have the entire community that has supported me over the course of the year. Yeah. So, I mean, clearly, again, like you said, God was leading. He, he always knows what's best for us, and he kind of opens the doors and puts the people in our path that we need to help us. But you still had wounds from what you had experienced in high school. So can you share a little bit about the healing that started happening? Yeah, so that's, that's probably one of the most um, powerful processes or journeys that I've ever undergone. So as I went and came into my freshman year, um, you know, a, a lot of those messages and those things, I kept totally hidden. Nobody knew. Um, and it really made me very self-conscious about who I was as a person. Here I am hearing these things and knowing that they're coming from God, but yet at the same time not knowing exactly why. Yeah. A- and so, you know, it, it really was. It was extremely difficult to kind of carry that, that cross in some regards. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I got to Franciscan, I really felt like it was an opportunity for me to make sense of it all. And I was really, it was, it was a beautiful opportunity and a, and a blessing that I found one particular priest that truly understood what God was doing in my life. And Father Bob Hiltz, um, God bless him. I remember the, the day that I was walking to class and I had never seen him on campus until this day. And I saw this little, little friar out in the distance on this hill far away going into the friary. And I looked, and for whatever reason, I knew that that man understood who I was. It was the most amazing thing, and I didn't care what class I had. (laughs) I ran to the friary to understand and to know who he was, because at a distance, I couldn't even see his face. Right. All I could see was his habit, <laughs> right? So I ran to the friary and I pounded on the door, and fortunately enough, it was the same priest who walked out and greeted me at the door. And he looked at me, and I knew that he could see right through my soul. It was the most liberating experience. <laughs> you would think it would be terrifying, <laughs> but I knew when he looked at me, that he knew where I was struggling and what I was challenged by. Yeah. And he brought me such peace because I knew that he was one person that I first encountered and finally encountered that could help me to understand what God was doing. Yeah. And so I looked at him 
And I smiled, and he smiled back, and he says, we'll talk. <laughs> what a gift. <laughs> and at that moment, he knew that, that we would develop a relationship slowly over time. And he, he helped form me, he helped me understand um, many of the spiritual things that that guy was doing um, to provide me guidance, yeah. um, to provide me structure as well. Yeah. And, and so uh, I really I give, give thanks um, to those holy priests in my life that, that helped me through that difficult and challenging time. And, but one of the things, obviously, as you mentioned, I did need a lot of healing. Yeah. I went through a very traumatic experience with my family, and I really didn't um, know how to handle that. Yeah. And so there were really three things that, that I learned to do on campus that, that started that healing process. So, I mean, the first one um, was adoration. One of my roommates in college had challenged me to join him from 3 to 4 a.m. every Monday morning in the Adoration Chapel. How beautiful. And yeah, it was beautiful, certainly during the fall and during the spring, <laughs> but during the winter months, you not, know. Not so fun. Not so much. Um, quite, quite a sacrifice. Yeah, yes it was. But, uh, but what I learned is I appreciated the silence. Yeah. At, at three to four mm-hmm. in money, there is nothing stirring. There's yeah. not an animal, there's nothing stirring. And so when you walked across campus and you walked into to the Adoration Chapel, it was in complete and utter silence. And there was just the two of us, always, right? There was nobody else there. But there was in this beautiful chapel and this beautiful experience, and I started to pour out my heart to God. So wonderful. So he's listed one of the sources of healing. Um, It's time for a commercial break, but please stay tuned because we'll be right back to hear the rest of Deacon Tom Beagle's story of healing and how he experienced God's amazing love. This is Letty Medina with Healing the Whole Person on 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. Hi, this is Wes Riccio from the Holy Family Catholic Bookstore, wishing the fullness of God's blessings upon all those who will soon be receiving a sacrament for the first time. If you have a child, grandchild, or godchild being baptized, receiving their first Holy Communion, or being confirmed, remember that Holy Family has the area's largest selection of gifts, accessories, and supplies to make their special day more memorable. The Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is at 9249 Old Green Bay Road, Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin. More information, including a virtual tour, is available on Facebook. Are you retired or near retirement? Do you want to keep a larger amount of your assets in a safe place with guaranteed interest rates to protect yourself from a huge market swing? Are you amazed at how low the interest rates are at your bank? If you said yes to any or all of those questions, you may want to call me, Matt Tomlinson, at Catholic Financial Life to discuss our guaranteed fixed rate annuities. Call 847-548-MATT, 847-548-6288. Products not available in all states. Welcome back to this episode of WSFI, Healing the Whole Person. I'm your host, Letty Medina from St. Gilbert 
um, church. My guest is Deacon Tom Beagle, and uh, we've been talking with Deacon Tom about um, an amazing experience that he has had um, uh, with God's healing love. And he was just sharing a little bit about some of the sources of healing that he found um, during his college years. Um, you've talked about adoration of the Blessed Sacrament. What, what else? So the other sources of healing was really uh, going to every Mass. So every Mass that I would go, some of the words right at the very uh, tail end of the Mass, right before communion, when you say, only say the words, and my soul shall be healed, those particular words were so instrumental in terms of that healing process. Every Mass that I went, I would pray those words right before receiving Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. And I just begged him to continue that healing process. And every Mass that I showed up, I knew that I was being healed slowly and gradually over time. And then as I prayed those prayers with sincerity and to some extent in desperation, I knew that it was being answered in his own way. How beautiful. And, you know, again, just to affirm what he's saying, I guess most of you listening in are probably very well aware of the healing power of the Eucharist. Um, But, you know, some of you may not recognize that getting to the Eucharist and receiving the Lord in that way really does bring healing to, to us each and every time. And so if you are really going through a difficult time and you need more healing, run to the Lord, run to Mass. Even one extra time a week can make a difference in your life in ways you can't even imagine. Absolutely. And, I, you know, Franciscan, I was blessed with the opportunity to go to daily Mass, and I wish I r- would be able to do that yeah. same thing each and every day. Um, but certainly... Absolutely, Letty. There's no question. The more the more opportunities we have to be able to to receive that gift and that grace, uh, the better off we are. For sure. So the other thing that that really helped me was was to go t- attend the festivals of praise at Franciscan. So they're kind of a unique uh, process by which you not only celebrate adoration, but you also have the opportunity to um, to to sing songs and to to really praise God for who He is, and they were very difficult moments going to those uh, times of, of praise um, were very emotionally stirring the, the music would would well up in my heart and would bring about all these difficult and challenging emotions mm-hmm. and uh, it was very very painful yep. and the first one that I went to um, was uh, was so moving um, that literally I, I collapsed into <laughs> man's arms next to me so there was a man standing there and I literally just I kind of doubled over and he, he caught me and we both fell to the floor and <laughs> just like that moment where Jesus held me he held me in his arms and he knew how much I was struggling and he just he never let me go and the one thing about that moment is that literally I I felt as if God was was healing me and and that there was this painful kind of splinter in my heart mm-hmm. that God removed slowly out of my heart and he kind of teased it out and it was I could feel the pain in my heart as he did it mm-hmm. but as soon as it was gone I could feel within my soul and within my heart just a relief how beautiful um, but it was painful yeah it no, was, I know. no question it was it was extraordinarily painful 
but I knew it was moving me in the right direction. Yeah. That there was no other way to be healed other than to deal with the pain that was in front of me. Yeah. That by running from it or doing anything else other than handing it over to the Lord was going to lead me down a path that I didn't want to run. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's important, again, to just chat a little bit about the fact that healing is hard work, right? It, because it takes um, courage for us to really take an honest look at ourselves, our, our past mistakes, um, obstacles that are in the way of moving forward with the Lord, like fears that we have. Um, and then, you know, there's the enemy, right? He's always coming after us and trying to convince us that we'll never get past this terrible time of suffering, right? Um, so there's so many things that people have to try to push through and and keep moving towards God. And and a lot of people give up because it's, it is painful and it is hard work, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so that leads me to the next question. So, you know, healing was progressing, but then you hit a bump in the road. Yeah, after, after about a year, I, I turned to God and I said, you know what? I've been showing up faithfully for a year to every mass, praying these prayers, going to these festivals of praise, spending time in adoration, and I just felt like progress was just so slow and that it was just so incredibly painful. And I just said, you know what? I'm done. I'm, d- I'm done, God. It just, it's too much. It's yeah. too painful. It's too long yeah. to deal with. And, and to deal with all this pain and suffering and heartache for such a long time and, and not to feel like there's really any progress being made. Yeah. I said, you know what? I, I've had enough. And so I did. I, I really, literally, I just turned my back on God. And I left Franciscan University with the intent of never going back. Wow. And I, I got involved in, in some bad relationships and, and did some really just destructive things. Mm-hmm. And it brings me back to really that, that message, right, that I received when I was 14 years old, that I wouldn't, I wouldn't die until I was older than 30 years of age. And I, I tested God with all, in so many countless ways. Yeah. And I should have died dozens of times yep. in that period of my life. I, I, I jumped out of a two-story apartment building and landed completely and totally on my feet. That's crazy. <laughs> and, and, I, and there are so many other things, and I won't go into the, the list, the laundry list of all the ways in which God saved my life. Yeah. But he was true to his promise. Yeah. And, and as destructive as my behavior was, I really came to the understanding and appreciation that regardless of whether or not I love God, God still loved me. Amen. And so you, after a certain amount of time and living this way, I really knew what I was doing. I knew that there was no, there was no good ends. There was, there was not going to be a happy ending for me if I continued on this path. Yeah. But yet I still didn't have the strength or the courage to turn around. Yeah. I knew I was self-imploding. I knew that, that my life was just turning into shambles and I was destroying all different types of relationships, friendships that I had had for years. My family, my sisters, all these people looked at me w- with just with sadness. I was going to say sadness right? for sure. When you see someone you love hurting themselves, you know, in, in many ways. Without question. And so... It really took a moment between my mom and I mm-hmm. that changed my life around again. Beautiful. So I was outside late at night, and I decided you know, that I was going to 
smoke. And my mom just opened up the front door and she looked out and saw me there. And the expression on her face and the look in her eyes, it changed my life forever. I knew how much she loved me. Mm -hmm. And I knew how much I was hurting her. And that love, right, it just compelled me to say, you know what? I need to change. I need to I need to become the man that I know that I need to be. How beautiful. So that should give a lot of mothers hope. <laughs> um, not to not to give up on your children when they're struggling and they're rebelling and they're saying they don't want to listen, you know, they will respond to to your love, you know. They do they want that love from their their mother, from their father. And that can be the life-changing you know, impetus that gets us back on track. Yeah, without question. And so from that point, what I came to the understanding and, and I made the conscious decision that I was going to go back to Franciscan University and I was going to finish what God had started. Regardless of how difficult it was, regardless of how painful, I was going to see it through because God had been so faithful that I felt like in some ways I owed it to him, <laughs> right? I really did. There's no question. Yeah. He had saved my life so many times that I felt like, you know what? My life is yours, and, and there's no other way to see it. Yeah. And so I went back humbly, humbly. <laughs> and continued that healing process, and it took another two years. It took two long years for me to really feel that God had healed me in that day, that, that last moment where he pulled that last spinner from my heart. I knew it was done. Wow. I knew he had completely and totally healed me. And then he had transformed me into a new creation. Amazing. Yeah. And that, again, took a lot of courage and a lot of perseverance and a lot of prayer, right? I mean, and did you, during that time, did you share any of this healing process with anybody? Did you share it with a spiritual director? Or are you just kind of, it was you and the Lord, time in front of the Blessed Sacrament? How? Yeah, for me, because of the, my private nature, yeah. it really was more between myself and the Lord. I didn't really feel like there, were, there was anybody that I needed to necessarily tell directly, but there were definitely people who were guiding me spiritually. Yeah. There were holy priests that were in my life that were guiding me from a spiritual perspective and helping me to understand and make better choices in my life. And there were many who heard my confession when I slept. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which we always do, Absolutely. right? Because and, we're human. And there were many that also provided me the encouragement that I needed to. Absolutely. Um, so why don't you share a little bit about that day when that final splinter, you know, was removed? Like, how did that, um, how did that feel? Sure. Um, so I was overjoyed. I really was. I was overjoyed by the fact that God had healed me. But more importantly, I was overjoyed because of the fact that I knew that God had done it. That was the most amazing thing about it all. Yeah. I was standing in God's glory. I yeah. was looking at God and what he had accomplished. Amen. Nothing that I had done. Absolutely. But it was, it was, it, it was acknowledgement that God truly was faithful and that I could trust him and that he wanted to bring that healing. Right. But he had to do it in such a way that it wasn't going to be destructive to my own life. He right. had to be patient and he could only take me as far as I was allowing him to. Yeah. How beautiful. And, I, and again, I think it's important to emphasize that, 
it is the Lord who does all the work. You know, we we simply have to show up and be be open and say, okay, Lord, I'm here again. And then he does all the heavy lifting, you know? Um, and, and that's why it's so sad when I, I see people who run, uh, which again, I understand it. I ran <laughs> for a long time myself. So I'm not, I'm not uh, criticizing or judging. I'm just wanting to encourage the listeners to consider that if you are in a place of, of pain and woundedness and you know that you need deeper healing, come to the Lord. <laughs> he is the one. He is the divine physician. He wants to heal his people. And, um, but he will respect our boundaries. And if we keep ourselves shut away from him and isolated and we don't seek out the opportunities for healing that he has to offer through his church and his people, deacons, priests, the sacraments, prayer, um, then he, he won't come, you know, knock us over the head, usually. <laughs> so that's important for people to, to think about. Um, can you share um, a little bit about how the Lord opened the door for you to serve as a student leader um, of a healing prayer team at Franciscan? Sure. So after I had, had healed, um, God really allowed that opportunity and experience, right, to be able to share that with others. So because of the fact that I had walked that journey, I was then able to appreciate and to be patient with people as they went throughout their own healing process. Yeah. And so um, God miraculously invited me to be part of a prayer team at Franciscan University, and it wasn't something that I had planned, nothing that I had anticipated whatsoever, um, but I found myself at a youth summer conference, and um, they had mentioned or had kind of called anybody who felt like they had something to share um, forward and to, and to share that with the people that were running the conference. And so as I prayed, I really felt that there was a message that was placed on my heart. So I walked forward innocently thinking, okay, I'm just going to hand this off and someone is going to go up there and just share it for me. And unfortunately that didn't happen. <laughs> they dragged me up on stage and I was very nervous. In fact, I, I really not sure exactly what happened in that moment, but uh, I went up there, I spoke and I came off stage and I literally, I once again collapsed <laughs> into the arms of a priest and his name was Father Harold and Father Harold was just he was a man of such great warmth and love and he had such a tenderness and it had such a heart for me and and when I knocked him over <laughs> he he I think immediately took a liking to me and you know he he led me into the understanding of, of really how to help people in, in prayer and healing ministry and so he invited me to be part of a team and throughout the course of my, my remaining years at Franci Franciscan University, uh, I was part of those festival praises and I led a prayer team and people would step forward and they would have all different types of matters or issues that they were struggling with. And so, you know, the Lord really is the one who directs all things. He is the one who really has an understanding of what each person needs Amen. as they step forward and for prayer. And uh, fortunately enough, God allows me at times to be able to hear and understand really what is the deepest wounds of their hearts. Yep. And for that reason, um, you know, the people who step forward then can have that reassurance and that understanding that God is not only is he real, but that he cares, yeah. that he's a loving father, he that he wants to love us more than we love ourselves. So. And he wants to draw us out of our own circumstances and lead us to a place uh, of, of peace of love, of forgiveness, and all, all the joys in our lives. He is, he is good. He's so good. 
So very, very good. So again, I want to jump in at this point and just reemphasize what Deacon Tom has just said, right? That, you know, the Lord desires to heal his people. He desires to draw you into his arms and comfort you and give you everything you need. Um, but, but so often people are just, they're afraid and they, they don't trust. They don't know. They don't, maybe they've had bad experiences in their own family lives where maybe their father wasn't the loving father that they, sh- you know, uh, that God would have wanted them to have, right? Or so there's a father wound or a mother wound or some kind of brokenness in relationships, which ha- makes them, it makes it very difficult for them to trust, right? So those are the kind of things that I just want to encourage listeners to hear very clearly, right? God is good. God is trustworthy. God wants to heal you of whatever it is that you're struggling from. Um, you know, in the, the deepest parts of your heart, he knows. He knows everything you're struggling with. He knows those wounds from your childhood or the disappointments. Um, don't be afraid to come forward and seek that healing, right? That's um, going through what Deacon Tom already listed. You know, spend time with him in front of the Blessed Sacrament. Go to Mass more frequently. Spend time in prayer develop friendships with other people of great faith who will encourage you they will speak to you the truth of our lord's love and mercy Um, there's so much available to us as catholics and we're so blessed even you know going to confession one of the greatest sacraments of healing available to us and people are afraid to go because they're they're thinking oh i you know i just can't speak that sin out loud but i'm telling you speak it out loud and get that monkey off your back because there is no reason for you to keep carrying that baggage around without question the the more that we share with our lord the more that he's capable of doing in our lives yeah and and it's when we hide things from him or think we hide things from him think we hide things right that that it only it slows the process yeah right It, it only it only makes things more difficult absolutely um, so I think you wanted to talk about five things um, that can also help lead to more healing. Absolutely. So I want everybody to think about their hand. Okay. So think about your five fingers. And I want you to remember five things in particular in regards to how Jesus leads us by the hand into healing. So the first one that I want everybody to really be conscious of is, is trust in God's timetable. I think if you... If you have listened and appreciate the, the story that I've shared in, about my own life, I wanted God to heal me right away. I wasn't willing to wait. I, I, I was impatient to some extent, but I was only impatient really because of the fact that it was difficult and I was struggling, right? And I, I wanted to move things faster so I didn't hurt quite as much. Right. But we have to trust that, that God is in control and that God knows what he's doing. And regardless of how long we struggle with some of the wounds that we're experiencing, that God is slowly, slowly lifting us out of those circumstances and healing us gradually over time so that we can truly be fully healed, that it's not a patchwork job. He (laughs) wants to completely and totally heal us. And sometimes those wounds that that have festered for years and years, they can't just be miraculously sealed up. And and so, you know, our Lord works with us in that regards. The second is we need to bend to him. Oftentimes we want to stand in our own ground 
and expect God to, to work within our own lives. And what I've found is that we really need to appeal to God. We need to, to come and to stand before him and be willing to do whatever is necessary in order for us to receive that healing. We can't be prideful in this process. Exactly. We have to be humble. Mm-hmm. We have to acknowledge where we're wounded, right? And, and what it's gonna require of us to be able to get us to that point of healing and, and to be able to invite our Lord into those places that make us feel uncomfortable, mm-hmm. th- that evoke some of those hardships and those feelings and those things that we really don't want to deal with and the things that we really don't want to look at. Right. But we need to, to share those things and reveal those things to the Lord, not because he doesn't know them, so that we can make peace with them. Yeah, that's important. Third one is, is to remain in a state of grace. So if you haven't gone to confession in a while, that's one of the first places that I would start. We need to make sure that we're in right relationship with God. So if we're not right in relationship with God, we put up barriers and obstacles for him to be able to work in our lives. And, and so that grace that pours into our lives and into our souls through the grace of baptism, right, it has to be able to be open um, in order for us to really truly bring that healing power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And so uh, being in a state of grace means that we, we have to go to Mass every Sunday. We, we, we can't take Sundays off. Yep. The, the church tells us over and over again that in, in Scripture that Sunday is a day of worship. We have to reserve that day. It's a holy day, and it's a day, the one day out of the week, that God wants us to show up and to spend time with Him. Yeah. Right? And, and the miraculous thing is that when we do show up, we are receiving the greatest gift we could possibly receive. Exactly. If If we handed out winning lotto tickets in church everybody would be lining up (laughs) and and the the astounding thing is is that people don't realize that's what they're receiving in the eucharist yeah eternal life they're they're the promise of eternal life is more precious than anything that that lotto ticket guess what it's not going to mean a thing on the next side of life exactly but that gift of the Eucharist and that, that relationship and that presence of Jesus within us it is truly uh, the greatest gift we receive. So the fourth thing is choose to forgive. If there's anybody in your life that you haven't forgiven, anybody that you really haven't made peace with, you need to start there too. It's really, really important. You, you can't have your heart in a, in a walled up state, in a clenched state, and God won't allow that right? In order to be able to lead by the hand, you can't have your hand in a fist. You have to open your hand and allow him to lead you, and that takes forgiveness. The last one is prayer in the sacraments. Spending that time with God is the only way that we can be healed. God is the healer, not ourselves. We can do a lot of different things in our lives, but unless we dedicate ourselves to a life of prayer in the sacraments, nothing will change. We, We can go to doctors, we can go to friends, we can go to all these different places, but God is the only one who can heal us, and he chooses to, to take those moments in prayer to allow that healing process to transpire. So beautiful. I love that, that uh, image you've given to the listeners about the five fingers and opening our hands so the Lord can lead us. That's a beautiful way for them to reflect and pray about those things. Um, I wanted to just, again, say one thing about um, forgiveness. So obviously a lot of people struggle with the ability to forgive, 
And just remember, again, the Lord will give you the grace if you're able to open your heart to him and uh, really allow him to pour his mercy through your heart to the people that you're struggling with. So lastly, Lenny, I just want to invite all of our listeners, um, if you really need prayer, so if you need healing in your life um, and you want to meet me at any time, I'm a deacon at St. Gilbert's Parish in Grays Lake, and once a month we hold a special praise and worship uh, night with the Adoration of the Blessed Sacrament, and we do have prayer teams available for those in particular that do need healing in their lives to be able to help them to, to be restored to the fullness of life. Thank you, Deacon Tom. Uh, That's all the time we have left today. Thank you so much for listening to WSFI Healing the Whole Person. I'm Letty Medina, my guest Deacon Tom Beagle, reminding you to tune in next week for Healing the Whole Person, Thursday afternoon, immediately following the chaplet. You have been listening to Healing the Whole Person on WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. For more information about this program or to purchase additional CD copies, please call us at 224-206-8455. That's 224-206-8455. Or visit us online at wsfiradio.org. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease.